Welcome to Solving for B, your podcast for all things branding and marketing. In this episode, our experts discuss the role that a strong brand plays in weathering a changing economy. So sit back and enjoy this edition of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome into the Solving for B podcast. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and in this episode, we're going to discuss a topic that's relevant to pretty much every business out there. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of your brand in a changing economy. And to help me cover this topic, I'm joined by Chairman of Brand Extract, Jonathan Fisher. Hello. Thanks for having me, Chris. And CEO of Brand Extract, Bo Bodie. What's up, Chris? Thanks for stopping in today, guys. Uh, So obviously, the world is going through massive changes right now. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty regarding the coronavirus. Uh, Most people aren't back to their normal work environment yet. And frankly, most business leaders are wondering what this new world is going to mean for their companies. So my first question to you guys is this. Is right now, as we're facing an economy that no one is really sure about, a good time to invest in your brand? Uh so I'll take this first one um, there or be the first to answer. Absolutely. Um, there's never a bad time to invest in your brand. It just depends on what you're investing. I think right now, especially early on in the crisis, I think um, investing in your people, internal communications, making sure everybody's on the same page, um, focused on making sure your customers know where you stand and what's going on. I mean, that, that was probably the right tack. So, so when you say investment, it may not be financial investment. It may be investment in culture. Or it may be investment in just general communications or maybe investment in strategy that, that drives brand. Um, now that we're full on into this, I think investing in getting in front of other people is probably a pretty smart thing to do. How you do that um, is, has to be authentic and transparent and smart. Um, what channels you use to do that are going to be limited uh, based on the current situation and you know, the assumption that many are, are not either working at home or furloughed or may not be working. And so you're taking all those things into consideration. But yeah, it, it, honestly, you're always investing in your brand, whether it be culture and communication internally or external promotion and, and visibility. Yeah, I think Bo said it really well. You know, I would add to the fact that when you're not investing in your brand, somebody else is largely taking control of the conversation in the marketplace without you, whether that's internal communications and water cooler talk (laughs) and fear and rumors that get spread uh, with lack of communication, or the competition is taking advantage of your absence in the marketplace on social channels and trade shows and ads, whatever it might be. Um, So we always like to remind clients that those conversations are happening without them, regardless of what they do, unless they are consciously participating in those conversations. Yeah. And, and to, I guess, to be clear, um, obviously, you know, Bo, you kind of touched on it. It's always kind of a good time to invest in your brand, whether it be, whether it be financially or whether it be just spending more time or or spending the time to, to really, um, hammer down your core values and your mission, your vision. Um, but, Ideally, you want to do this stuff prior to, right. you know, this this crazy, you know, uh, upending of the economy, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that speaks to what Jonathan was talking about. I and mean, brands brands can be active, brands can be reactive, which is probably where you don't want to be. Um, 
and, and brands can be proactive. And I think the proactive part of it protects protects your brand in the long run. I mean, I, I remember when BP rebranded and they did that whole green energy thing a million years ago. God's dating us, Jonathan. But, you know, they came out with this crazy, <laughs> crazy flame flower logo before, before green was even a thing. And um, everybody kind of looked at that. And then they had horrible mishaps after, you know, five years after, 10 years after. Um, and their stock price, I remember studying this while I was in business school, their stock price didn't take the dip that you would expect it to have taken just because they had spent years and years and years trying to transform their brand. Now, sadly, I don't think they had had years and years and years of just horrible track record prior to it. Um, so it was really hard for them to navigate that completely. Um, but the whole idea of Beyond Petroleum and all that kind of stuff was a it protected the brand in, in a downturn. So, you know, when September 11th happened, the oil crash again, and then the other oil crash in 2016, you know, they, there's not much of a blip on them um, because they had done some work up front to change the perception of their brand. I mean, I would use the, my own analogy here, uh, having been, you know, sequestered, if you will, for, you know, a number of weeks if you think about your own behavioral changes that you've gone through, are you, you know, where are you investing your time and your money? It's with those brands that you have become most loyal to, right? You want to see that those, you know, local restaurant chains or bars survive. You want to ensure that your favorite products are still on the shelf. You know, you're going to do your best to, to not substitute unless you have to. Um, that's out there. You're going to rely on your most trusted advisors uh, for all of these crazy regulatory changes and, and financial implications and tax requirements as they are moving so rapidly. You know, do you really want to take the time to start a completely new untrusted relationship out? Right. So those brands that were the strongest positioned in the buyer's mind going into this are going to be those those brands that are most likely to capitalize and accelerate coming out of this process. Yeah, you guys and and you guys actually kind of wrote my segue for me because my next question was going to be, um, you know, why is a strong brand important in a stalled economy, and what can it do for you? And you guys are kind of, you guys have touched on on the things or the positives that can come out of that. Um, on the flip side, is there are there negative consequences to not having your brand in order, um, you know, in a stalled economy? Oh, sure. I mean, we, we couldn't have made this jump. Um, Jonathan and I were actually talking about this on a call a little while ago. Um, two years ago, I don't know that we could have made this jump as seamlessly. Uh, and, and separate the technology, separate the, the materials, separate, you know, having good people and people with good intentions and all. You know, the, just the fact that we had, we had gotten both our financial ship in order and we had gotten our cultural ship in order and, and that here we have a very clear vision for our organization. We have a very clear idea of what our values are and, and what our mission is and, and where we're headed as an organization. We had all that stuff buttoned up. We had developed channels for us all to communicate with each other um, and separate the technology that we had put in years ago going going to laptops and mobile and our culture in, in general allowing for work at home and and that kind of stuff for flexibility more than necessity. Um, but I think we that pivot, the technical pivot was easy. 
there was some trepidation on my part, at least, on culturally. You know, can we keep such a tight, friendly culture, collaborative culture together? Um, and that that has taken a lot of work over time to make this jump as easily as we've made it. And I, I say that I don't say that lightly. We've made this pretty easily. You know, John, we've got 34 people working remotely um, and we haven't skipped a beat. You know, obviously we'd love more business. Obviously we'd love for that spigot to come on. Um, but our team's really stepped up. And, and part of that's just the, how transparent we've been and managing our brand, the work we've done for our brand drivers and really driving home our mission and values and vision. Um, and the associations we've built around the brand of where we need to be, who we need to be with, how we need to be are a big part of that. Um, and I think that's really helped us. And as we see it, helped or hurt some of our customers and clients in the world and people, our peers, um, as we've kind of paid attention to what's going on with them. I think uh, one of the mistakes you ask, you know, like what is the things that, that kind of, you know, trip you up or hurt you going into these processes or addressing them through these processes? Um, I think companies that don't recognize what the total scope of a brand is, you know, a lot of companies isolate it to their standards manual or their logo or their tagline, or, you know, they may think of it as their ad campaign in some cases. Um, you know, Bo touched on it is companies that are actively investing in their brands are investing in those things that drive that customer satisfaction, that drive that retention, that drive that loyalty, that drive that likelihood to upsell, cross sell, promote, refer, and at the same time, not say negative things about the business. And so, you know, companies that don't appreciate, for example, values as part of their brand strategy or giving up a huge opportunity to control that behavior from the inside out. You know, a brand starts with that promise, and that promise has to be lived on the inside before it can be consistently institutionalized on the outside. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we always use the analogy that if your customers, you know, appreciate your speed and your value, but your values don't recognize, you know, rapid behavior or quick thinking or highly responsiveness then those messages don't end up consistently through the organization. Well, and that, I think that segues, I think that segues perfectly into you know, what you've prepared yourself for, right? Knowing your brand. I, mean, I think Jonathan's absolutely right. People, people, people mistake a portion of the brand, the brand drivers, the external pieces as the whole brand. And it's, it's not, it's, it's your associations and, and where you spend time and the channels you use. And then it's also, the, the value drivers, you know, the, the mission, the vision, the values, the, the way you act and behave, uh, all of those things, the way you deliver the product to Jonathan's, Jonathan's uh, mention of speed or, or, you know, technical use or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, all of those things go in that brand. The brand that you've established prior to the change is the brand you're going to have to live with post-change at least for a while. And so, and we've seen this in, in, at least in our market, you know, there's a, I talked about this earlier, um, there's a furniture guy that like crazy, you know, there it's not the one you'd expect here in Houston. It's not gallery furniture. He's always kind of set a pretty good brand about helping the community and doing things, but the exclusive furniture guy where low prices live and he's always jumping around and stuff. And then all of a sudden his commercials, my neighbor mentioned this to me, his commercials shift to, 
well, you know, we're here at Exclusive Furniture. We really care about your safety and security. And that's not the brand he established for the last 25 years. And so the authenticity is not there. That People will turn him off. Um, or he's going to have to spend time to make that shift. So to Jonathan's point, the brand that you're establishing early and the actions and things that you do around establishing it about who you are, they project out um, into whatever new normal there is. And it's really hard to change that behavior or the perception that comes from that. Yeah. You know, you have a chance right now to invest in these downturns on the things that maybe weren't perfect uh, going in mm-hmm. uh, because they will be stress tested and they will be exacerbated and increased geometrically when you are under stress. You know, my, one of my dad, my dad's favorite pieces of advice that I remember from many years ago prior to getting married was he said, son, you know, if there's anything that's bugging you right now before you're married, it's going to bug you a whole lot more after you're married. <laughs> you know, and yep. so I think that kind of like there's a parallel there that you can sort of draw on through this, which is, you know, might Absolutely. as well fix it now because it's probably going to be accentuated even further. And right. I don't think you want that to be your legacy when you look back on this. To Bo's point, it has to be an authentic move, an investment as such. Mm-hmm. But left unaddressed, it will only compound the issues that you faced going in. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's and not to obviously not to downplay the 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 um, seriousness or you know the impact, the negative impact that this has had. But it to that in that way, it can be an opportunity. Um, to to kind of sniff out some of the maybe uh, shortcomings of the brand and and work on some of those things. Um, one of the things that we noted in our research for this episode uh, is there are some studies done on the heels of the 2008 um, crisis, uh, fin- um, mortgage crisis, yeah. um, and you know one of the things that was a couple of the findings that came out of that were that 60% of brands uh, that go dark during a recession um, actually slide back on at least one cu- customer mes- metric. So, you know, going quiet or, or, you know, pulling back all of your external communications um, is kind of a, a proven way not to work. But, um, you know, what are, what are some of the benefits of a strong brand during a recession? I mean, we know that, um, that the purpose of a, of a brand is to to um, get people to to buy more at higher prices for longer periods of time. Um, it, is that do do those remain? Are there any extended benefits? I mean, what what do you guys think about that? Yeah, Jonathan talked a little bit earlier about loyalty, uh, which I think you know it goes both ways, right? There are brands that we're loyal to that we want to we want to see stay in business in a time like this that we're going to we're going to prioritize over others, and I think that that work you do prior to something like this that allows someone to prioritize you over others is important, right? And so you may, you may have moved beyond, you know, buy more stuff at higher prices for longer periods of time. This may be the phase where it's longer periods of time where you're focused on, you know, maybe the pricing needs to adjust. You know, the stuff we're seeing with Ford, we were talking about that earlier, and and the car companies where they're where they're foregoing the pricing component um, to retain the customer, and in turn, 
build their brand around a more helpful, more communal kind of message. And I think that is authentic. It's We've seen them do that before. It makes sense. The benefit is it gets someone locked up into a five-year contract on paying for a car. I mean, you know, they, they, they can move inventory, they can do that kind of stuff. So it is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that a lot of this stuff is, you know, completely altruistic. And I would think we'd be silly to think that it all is just, I'm helping first responders because just of the goodness of my heart. I mean, of course, people and individuals do that. Um, but on the brand side, over periods of time, there needs to be some sort of return. And the return can be a healthy community. You know, the return can be the association with doing good. Um, but those things have to be well thought out because, as we've talked about before, they can't be disingenuous and they, they could blow up in your face. They could come, there could be blowback if it's not, if it's not perceived, if you're picking winners and losers or if you're not perceived to be someone that really cares that much. And so uh, the, you have to be careful with that. But again, very, very managed. But at this point, it's longer periods of time is what a brand should be looking at. How do I retain loyalty? How do I retain this customer? And then on the back, on the other side of how do I help this customer maintain their health so that they can be a customer long-term? I think it's, there are some ways you could look at that. I mean, there's definitely going to be, I've heard somebody describe it as the new abnormal coming out of this process. <laughs> and I think that, you know, you know, there's sort of the, you know, there, there's a natural curvature to these, to these processes. We've seen it uh, for a hundred years now. And I've, you know, personally, in business been through six different recession types that are out there. So I can tell you that, you know, when we talk about investing in the brand or talk about things that you're not doing, you cannot assume that status quo going forward will be what it was historically. Um, If you have, if you haven't already made the adjustment in your service offerings and your sales processes in, in your staff augmentation and your call centers and your technologies, whatever it might be and your product features to plan for the new future of what the new abnormal will be, then you're already behind your competitors, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, um, if you're doing doing some of those things now in terms of you know very tactical discussions for the moment, let's just say search optimization, well, we know that those keyword analysis and strategies take a while to organically build up. So you can't wait until the market is back and then start the optimization processes there, you know, or mm-hmm. you'll be, again, behind the whole world and the whole market in that regard. So now's a really good time to step back and rethink, you know, kind of your current product architectures, your current, you know, process structures. Maybe what was a hot seller before will no longer be a hot seller now, or maybe things need to be bundled up, or maybe things need to be repositioned to change their value adds, their incentives. You know, we had a chair manufacturer that, you know, was the, I described as the mini Cooper of chairs, right? Tremendous customization, all that. Well, one of the little known facts prior to this to this marketplace was that they offered a microbial heavy duty industrial clean chair solution. Well, I got to believe that coming out of this, people are going to want to clean and sanitize as much of their offices as possible, and uh, they are uniquely positioned uh, for a product that here here before was not super attractive to a mass market, but I believe going out has the potential to be a huge seller for them. So you know. Those pages were not number one front and center on their website. Those keywords were not number one stacked in their in their weighted their strategies. You know, their their blogging and, and other marketing ad strategies need to adjust. 
and you can't wait today to start making those placements, you know, um, in, in 120 days and expect to have the same positioning that you might otherwise if you get in front of it. So I think really that future state planning is critical at this point. Yeah, I think I think Jonathan's absolutely right about that. I think a big a big component of that. I mean, we talked about the our body built our chair um, client. I think I think the other thing is you know we've got a banking client that is small bank, Pioneer Bank, local you know local markets. Um, you know they really stepped up big for American small business, um, and they could say we did a lot of loans, or they could say. We stepped up big to help small businesses stay in business, um, and you know which is a better story there, <laughs> and what what can they do with that moving forward? I mean, they were being genuine; they're not making a ton of money on these loans, um, but the reality is, uh, you know, they care about small business. That is their brand. Taking advantage of it right at the beginning is important, but if they don't do anything with it moving forward, if they don't if they don't strike while the iron's hot. Somebody else will. I mean, the benefit to there is, again, I think having a good view of your market is going to be important right now, too. You know, what are the other brands in your market right now? The big banks are taking a they're just taking a beating, you know, probably unjustly um, for some of the practices that people said they used to give loans. When in reality, they were all just trying to manage how to do a new process. Um, and so, you know, all that kind of goes into brand perception in a, in a period like this. Um, and so that opportunity, the forward thinking, the thinking about what's next, I mean, if you haven't been doing that for the last four or five weeks, if you haven't, you know, once you stabilized your business, didn't start thinking about what's next, um, to Jonathan's point, you are behind and you may be significantly behind um, with the shift that the economy may make or will make because of this. Yeah, so have those strategy conversations now, have them early, have them often. This is a changing playing field. Mm-hmm. Um, on a regular basis, you don't think you can set your plan and forget it and then, you know, pull it out of the drawer 90 days from now and expect it to still be viable. I think this is a kind of an ongoing dialogue and you need to make small, agile moves right now in your mm-hmm. approaches to what's happening. Right. And if you do that and stay on top of it, then, you know, I think you'll be truly investing in the future state of your business and you'll accelerate faster and you'll pull ahead of your competition. Yeah. So another piece of research that we found, and, and I, I, I want to give credit uh, where it's due, um, but I can't remember the, the um, actual article. So I'll link to it in the show notes for, for the listeners out there. But um, one of the articles we read um, actually talked about kind of four uh, strategies or four tenets to, to maintaining brand trust during a, during a, a stalled economy. Um, one is, is to, number one, will show up and do your part. Uh, number two is don't act alone. Number three is solve, don't sell. And number four was communicate with emotion, compassion, and facts. Um, outside of that, is there anything that you guys can think of? Are there any tips that you guys um, would want to mention in terms of like how to manage your brand in a time like this? Is there anything else? Or do you, or, or do you take issue with any of those? I don't really take issue with any of them. I mean, I think they all make sense. I mean, authenticity is going to be key. Um, keeping your head up. You know, I think, you know, I, t- I took enough driver's ed or driver defensive driving when I was younger to, to know to aim high and steering. Um, and I think that's a key for this is to keep your head out on the open road, you know, but also you got to check your rear view mirrors to see what else is going on. 
Uh, I think that's a good analogy for what people need to be doing right now. Um, because to Jonathan's point, this is a fluid situation. It changes daily. Different things are going to happen with different states. It's going to be, it's chaos. Uh, um, and the more you can be solid on what your plan is and what you want to do, and the stronger you can be about how to make that, how to make that work moving forward and adjust as needed, I think you're going to be in better shape as we, as we move forward. I was on a call the other day uh, with about 40 other business development professionals. So here you are talking about, you know, an entire team of sales, sales professionals from actually many different companies were on this call sharing some best practices for each other. And one of the things that was brought up and discussed pretty repeatedly was the idea that was the idea that we should not look at the current situations as problems, but as challenges. And when we present the conversations internally to our teams, you know, it's, you know, what is the challenge here and how are we going to approach this challenge? Not right. Because I think there's a lot of negativity and there's a lot of despair and there's a lot of emotional stress in the marketplace right now for your business, Mm -hmm. for your, for your employees as employers, for your families, you know, for your spouses, you know, for fear of the loved ones that may be sick or potentially at risk of being sick. And so I think, you know, having the right mindset through all of this, regardless of the strategies and the tactics, and regardless of whether you're early or late to the game, is about approaching everything from the perspective of this is an opportunity and it's a challenge. Got it. Okay. Well, guys, I think that about wraps us up today. Uh, I really want to thank you guys for uh, for your time. This has been really great, and I think uh, our audience will find it pretty uh, pretty insightful. So, thanks, guys. Stay safe out there. All right. Awesome, Chris. See you. Thanks, guys. Chris. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this installment of Solving for B. If you're interested in more insights or podcast episodes, check out brandextract.com. We hope you'll join us next time on Solving for B with Brand Extract.